Well prayed, John. Well said. Um, just uh, excellent words there as we think about this day, which is challenging, which is refreshing, which is rewarding, which is challenging in other ways. And it's a, a day that we look at in a lot of different ways. And uh, as John just prayed, like I said so well, is just that, that we would rest in the love of the Father God. Um, or we would take a step towards that love. Um, if you're investigating, if you're trying to figure that out, if you're walking that path, just that step. My name is Chris, and I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and just so thankful that we can gather here today. I want to welcome those joining us online as well as live here. Uh, we are in the second to last week of our series, Healthy, and we're going to talk about incarnation as a model of love, and I'm going to explain that in a minute if you're going like, what in the world's incarnation? I don't know what that is. That's all right. We're going to be in the gospel according to John. This is one of the four gospels uh, that John wrote. And uh, we're going to be in chapter 1. And if you have a Bible or a device, you can turn there or you can just listen to the words. That's completely fine. Uh, we're going to read the first 14 verses. And uh, in this passage, it's going to use the word word and it's capitalized in here. And what that is, is really it's an understanding. It's the, it's the word logos, which means like all all of everything in um, just the created world, like all incorporated, and we would say it's God. And, uh, and so it was this word that John intentionally used to take like all the intellect, all the knowledge, all the being to uh, allow it to be a word that is understandable to those hearing it. So this is what John wrote. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning, Though through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify that, to that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and, through the world was, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, and those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So there it is. There's maybe one of the most important passages in all of Scripture is that the word, being Jesus, being God, came to this world, and that if we receive him and believe in him, he gives us the right to become his children. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son, who came from the father full of grace and truth. So now, as I mentioned, this passage is about incarnation, which incar incarnation simply means putting flesh on. So in a theological, like a, a view of understanding what God is doing here, he's, he's God above, and he comes to us putting on flesh as a human relating to us. There's a translation of scripture called the message. And the message uh, says it this way. It says, um, his, uh, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Basically, God came near. And there's a story that I've told before, and I'm sure I'll tell it again, and you've probably heard it other places, is that uh, often at Christmas Eve, there was a father and a mother and some kids, and the mother and the kids were getting ready to go to Christmas Eve service, and the father's like, no, nah, I'm not interested. I just don't get it. I don't understand this. He's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not there. I don't want this. 
And so the mother and the kids, they went, and the father sits down and starts to watch TV, and no sooner than he sat down, a bird collided with the window and fell to the ground, and it's fluttering around in the ground that is just lightly covered with snow. And so the father, having a compassionate heart, he, he walks out to the bird, and he looks at the bird, and he's like, okay, I think the bird's stunned. It just needs to go somewhere safe. It needs to be cared for. And so he starts to walk towards the bird, and the bird flutters away. And he thinks, hey, if I can get it over towards this garage, at least it'll be protected from the wind and some of the snow, and it'll have a chance to recover and be safe. And so the father starts to say, go, bird, go. And of course, the bird, hearing the voice, is scared. Scared of this giant figure that's there. And he thought in that moment, he said, if I could only become a bird, I could tell this bird the way to safety. I could help this bird find safety. And it was in that moment that it clicked for him. That God, creator of the universe, one who seems so distant, so, so far, so mag, uh, just large, that he came near in the form of Jesus. Like the word says is that, uh, that I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, is that Jesus came to be that way, truth, and life into the Father. This access point where Jesus could communicate with us what the Father's like and what his heart is like. And we too, as followers of Jesus, we're called to incarnate love. Remember, incarnate is, is, is God putting flesh on. So we're called to incarnate love to the world around us. Be Jesus to the people around us. Because Jesus is, is not physically in flesh hanging out with us right here. The Spirit of God is here, but we are to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Henry Nouwen, he described it this way. He said, to care means, first of all, to be present to each other. From experience, you know that those who listen, I'm sorry, to, excuse me, from experience, you know that those who care for you become present to you. When they listen, they listen to you. When they speak, they speak to you. Their presence is a healing presence because they accept you on your terms and they encourage you to take your own life seriously. As I thought about that, I thought about people who have been present with me and you think about people who are present with you. That they give value to you, like as he said, by listening, by looking at you, by encouraging you that your life matters. I remember as a kid and as a teenager and even as an adult, I feel this sometimes. If I'm in a conversation with someone and they start to zone out, like I revert to back to like that eight, nine-year-old kid of like, oh, my words don't matter. And I think you can relate to that too, is when you're speaking, whether you're a kid or whether you're an adult, someone's not giving you their attention, you go, oh. you get angry or whatever it may be. But as followers of Christ, we're called to incarnate love. And we witnessed this. We've, we've, we've witnessed this this week. So I was thinking back over these last couple of weeks, and this week particularly, I, I think of the Rutz family. And I think of how the weeks leading up to this is that, remember, some of people went over and sat with Max or would go and garden to help Phyllis. The family coming into town, incarnating love, bringing love around them, them surrounding him, the calls, the prayers of people. It's presence that's powerful. Our community witnessed this, and, and I got to say, I was so proud of Marshall just on Friday is with the tragic loss of Ayla, a sweet 10-year-old daughter of Josh and Amanda. And just the community's outpouring through visitation and the funeral 
in the procession through town. And I was just crying as we're going through this procession. Because people showed up. People were out there. People that didn't know her. I saw many of you along that route standing out there. It's this presence of love. Think of a, a beautiful woman that I met this week in Oaklawn Hospital. Her granddaughters called me up and I just watched her granddaughters hold her hand as she was dying. Just spoke words of love to her. As I was there just able to pray with her and, and give her some words of, of peace as she was walking through this valley of the shadow of death. Her granddaughters and her family being there is this presence of love of God around us. And we've walked through such a year that has been so divided and just hurtful that we as a church, we can't be a part of that. We have to be part of the solution, this answer of love. And if we're confused of what we're supposed to do, the New Testament is packed with one another's. Just start with any of the one another's. I mean, let me give you just a few of them. This is what scripture calls us as followers of Christ to be. To love one another, to be devoted to one another, to honor one another above ourselves, to live in harmony with one another, to stop passing judgment on one another, to instruct one another, to have equal concern for each other, to serve one another in love, to carry each other's burdens, to be patient, bearing with one another in love, to be kind and compassionate, and to forgive one another. As disciples of Jesus, this is our call. We're to be present. The hands and feet and the words and the eye contact and the listening ears of Jesus. This is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. This is what it means to paint a picture of what it means to follow Jesus to those who are not yet following Jesus. This week I read three questions out of a book called Soulful Spirituality by David Benner. He asked three questions, and really it tied into this, what does it mean to incarnate love and be present? These are the three questions we can ask of ourselves: Am I fully present or distracted? First question. Second question is, am I, am I loving or judging? Third question, am I open or closed to being changed? So let's go back to the first question. I'm going to walk through each one of these. Am I fully present or am I distracted? Again, we've been there. We've been in a conversation or talking to someone and they pull out their phone and they're looking at a text that comes through. Or they're looking at their watch of an alert. Or they just start looking past us or like daydreaming. And I can't think anyone who's had that experience with them feels good about that, right? Because the person in front of me in front of you is, is not fully present, distracted. But we live in a distracted world because we are so busy. We have so many things going on. We don't have time to take for other people. And I can be just as guilty as any one of us about this. Whatever that is, whether it's chaos around us or chaos within us, we're often not present or distracted. I saw someone post something this week that, that basically it was like, if I could only have a week of my life to get my life in order, to get my house in order, to get my job in order, then everything would be good. That was something said in like 2019. And then it's like, all right, here we are in 2021 going like, oops, that wasn't it. It wasn't about time. It was about something else going on within us. 
And when we picture Jesus in the scriptures, like the woman at the well or any other scene where Jesus is interacting with someone, do you picture Jesus present or distracted? I can't say I've ever thought of Jesus distracted when he's interacting with someone, whether it's that woman at the well or Zacchaeus or whoever it may be. I picture Jesus locked onto the person listening and speaking to them. So first question, am I fully present or distracted? And you can ask these questions yourself at any time. Second question is, am I loving or judging? Matthew 7 simply says this. Jesus says this, do not judge. Pretty clear directive, right? But yet if you ask people who are not following Jesus what they think of Christians, the most common word that that comes up is judgmental. Yet Jesus clearly said, do not judge. Christians are described as judgmental because we're judgmental. We need to confess that. Peter Scazzaro, he wrote this. He said, we judge our spouses for not doing life our way. We judge our close friends when their politics differ from our own. We judge our adult children for making choices we think they shouldn't. We judge our neighbors for not being responsive to the gospel. We judge Hindus, Muslims, Buddhists, Sikhs, and other faiths, along with atheists and agnostics, for not following Jesus as Lord and Savior. We judge younger generations or older generations for making choices of which we do not approve. We judge people for their different social class, race, ethnicity, appearance, or education. We judge them for dressing up or dressing down or for the music they watch or the cars they drive, what they buy, the music they listen to. And he continues by saying this. And when I say judge people, I mean we turn our differences into virtues of moral superiority. We turn our differences into virtues of moral superiority. And in doing so, we create never-ending ways to subtly categorize people and diminish their humanity. Well, you think this way, you're going here. You look like this, you're going here. And I'm glad I'm not you. We'd never say that, right? Or maybe you would, like, quietly to those certain people. But we take these things, we divide ourselves, and and there is a radical difference between love and judgment. Radical difference between love and judgment. Judgment treats people as objects to categorize, to define, whatever it may be. Love treats people as those created in the image of God. Every single human being. Judgment diminishes people. Love highlights the fact that Jesus died for every single person. Judgment leads to arrogance. Love leads to compassion. We're like, well, I'm just speaking truth and love. No, we're covering judgment by saying that. See, when we speak truth in love, it is an act of love, and there's fruit from that truth that is spoken. So we have to measure our words carefully. Christians should be known for their love, not for their judgment. And I asked this question that I'm about to ask you in first service, and someone said something right off the bat, so, so please don't, don't verbalize this. This is a question I want you to think about. The non-Christians that you're around, people who are not yet following Jesus, would they describe you more as a loving person or a judgmental person? And you know what? They probably wouldn't even tell you to your face. Like if they were to tell their close friend, what would they say? Something to ponder. Are we known for our love or for our judgment? 
Third thing is, am I open or closed to being changed? I have to admit, I'm not always right. It's a hard thing to admit. And guess what? Nor are you. You're not always right. See, my pride and my self-will and my desire, like, I'm like, no, 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 I'm right. I know I'm right. No, I'm not always right. And so am I open to correction? Am I open to change? Am I open to God's spirit speaking in me and through me and saying, Chris, you've been wrong on this. Chris, you need more of my heart. You need to look at this differently. It's really quite fun on Sundays to watch you. You think I can't see you. I can see you. It's harder outdoors, let me tell you. But I love watching both services because I can, I can tell when I'm communicating something if you're receptive to it or not. I mean, there's like some people that are like this. Right? We just close down with our body language. Then there's other people that are just, you know, like, yeah, bring it on. I remember a couple months ago, there was someone sitting in the back of uh, church and like, if they could have been, like, more in, like, a ball on the floor, I think they would have if it would have been socially acceptable. Like, they were just locked down, head down, face scoured, arms crossed, legs crossed, as I'm communicating whatever it was that day. I don't even remember. But what I noticed, and it's not me, it's God's spirit, there's a softening that happens. They were open that day to what God was doing in them. Not because of anything I did or said, but because of what God did. I saw them slowly start to open up like with body language. And by the end, they're like leaning forward, nodding. I'm like, wow, God did something there. See, am I open or am I closed to being changed? Here and here and with our body, like what is it? Are we open? I don't care how much wisdom you have, how old you are, how much life experience you have, how many degrees you have. Are you open or closed to God changing you? There's always something we can learn and grow. Always. So three questions again. Am I present or distracted? Am I loving or judgmental? Am I open or closed to God doing something in me? See, so we began our time by looking at John 1. Verse 14, particularly, the word became flesh and made its dwelling among us. It says, we've seen his glory in the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. We are called into our neighborhoods like Jesus came close to us. We're called to the people around us. It is not a mistake. You live where you live. Your family is who your family is. Your neighbors are who your neighbors are. Your coworkers are who your coworkers are. We're called if you're a follower of Jesus, you are called to the places that you go every single day. We think we have to go on a mission trip. No, you're called to where you're going later today. You're called to where you're going tomorrow. You're called to where you're going Tuesday. But do we look through it with missional eyes? Do we look through it in incarnational ways? The Great Commission says this, that Jesus spoke, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So it's about reaching people for Jesus, people coming into relationship with Jesus. Not so we can be like, yeah, but rather so that they know the peace of God. 
that they know what it's like to be in relationship with God. And it's about developing disciples. That's why we meet as a church. We meet as a church to reach people for Jesus, to be disciples, and to help other people be discipled. We don't come here for comfort and your preferences and this song and that song and whatever it may be. It's not about preferences. It's about Jesus. It's about these important things. And really one of the things that COVID has been teaching all of us as a staff, as deacons, as leadership, is that we need to get back and zeroed in on these things. I mean, people were getting saved. People were growing before COVID. But this is just pinpointing more and more the importance of who we are and what we're about. It's not about your preference. It's about people knowing Jesus and people growing in Jesus. So this past weekend, um, the staff and some deacons and some individuals from the church gathered together for a, a three-day a retreat that lasted over three days. We ended up spending somewhere between 20 and 25 hours together, praying, worshiping, discussing, um, just seeing what God is doing. We looked at the things that are happening in our church and have happened in our church, and we looked at the community, and we also looked ahead saying, God, what are you doing in us and through us? What is it that you have for us as we look forward into this next year? And we prayed and we wrestled and we talked about just about everything that you possibly could. It felt that way. And so this morning, I want you to hear um, from some individuals who were there this week. And what they've been asked to share is what God did in them and through them. They're not going to talk about like projects or initiatives or anything like that. They're, they're talking about what God did in them and through them in these days together. Some of this refocusing that's going on. Now, Matt, I don't know if you were warned ahead of time, wherever you're at, if we, have a, if we could get a handheld mic. I think Matt's still out here somewhere. Or anyone that can get a handheld mic. Who's good? They've got it? Awesome. Cool. Oh, Elena's got it. See, Matt is awesome. Give Matt a round of applause. He's a good man. He's taking care of us. So, once again, I appreciate he and Dave and the family and this crew back here. And uh, they're awesome. Uh, they do a ton of work here. So, Elena's all set. Uh, Elena Bajinski is one of uh, the people you can come forward, Elena, uh, who's going to share with us who was there this weekend. And Elena was baptized this year and um, just doing, uh, God's doing a great work in her and through her. And so she's going to share a few thoughts. And then um, we'll have, I think Molly's going to share and then Dennis. Um, so we'll go in that order. And I'm just going to step aside. Can you hear me? hear me? Wow, the mic was on the whole time. <laughs> All right. Good morning. Um, so this experience uh, it really opened my eyes to the true needs in our community, uh, and it instilled a new urgency within me to show Christ to people every day uh, by being more intentional in the relationships around me, um, the ones that I see every day, um, and just trying to build that relationship up and try to introduce Christ through that. Uh, during this time... Uh, I reflected on my own testimony from salvation up to where I am now. Uh, and I was amazed at just how far I've come. It's important to look back at your faith. Think about where you were a year ago, two years ago, and keep going back and just think about how your life has changed ever since that first prayer into salvation. And I feel like this, uh, this retreat awakened, reawakened me in many ways and in my faith, and I left the comfort zone that I had been enjoying. Um, and many of us enjoy. Uh, 
This retreat blasted me out of that comfort zone, um, and I found myself in a vulnerable situation sharing things about my faith that only a few others close to me knew about. Um, and for me, God used this retreat to make me bold in my faith again. I remember when I was a new believer, and just that, that initial need and want and desire to go out and make disciples, you're excited, you want to share that, and it needs to stay alive as you grow with Christ. So, uh, but most of all, it reminded me of how much I love this church and all of the people in it. God is working and is so alive in this church and in this place and through the people here. And it was really beautiful to see that firsthand. Also, the leadership of this church, our pastors, the deacons, everyone here, they care about everyone in this church so deeply. And it was amazing to see that firsthand. So, thank you guys. Hi, how's everybody doing this morning? It's good to see all of you. Um, man, this retreat really changed me inside and out. Um, and I'm so grateful to go to a church that really prioritizes dependency on God's will. It's very essential. And um, it was really powerful to really start challenging my preconceived notions about what church should be, what community should be. And... <laughs> It was very changing and challenging for me to think, what am I doing in my own life to prioritize God's will? What am I doing to further his kingdom here on earth? And I'm so grateful that through this retreat, we really depended on the work of the Holy Spirit to guide us. And that's true in our own lives. We need to depend on the Holy Spirit. We need to be reliant. We need to be dependent. And I'm really, really grateful that FBC has prioritized this. And it really makes me think about, too, our children. Our children are so essential in this mission. And we cannot leave them to this world to define what the life in this world should be. We need to help families. We need to encourage them. And I'm so grateful FBC chooses to do that. It's wonderful to see all of you, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Bye. Marshmallows, yum. When Kai spoke in the first service, she talked a little bit about the Gen Z, and we we did a lot, we did a little bit of that during the weekend, which my head hurt during that whole period of time. And I'm pretty much on the other end of the spectrum. I would be considered a baby boomer, and as some of the people in the room called us, uh, the historical part of the group. Um, and I wear that badge very well. I, I really do. I've been a Christian now almost 60 years. I was I gave my life to Christ when I was seven, and I'm just a little over 35 right now. So you can do the math. But during that period of time, there have been times when I feel like I've walked with God really close, and other times when. I haven't walked with him quite so close. And every time I go back and realize that, you know, God never moved. It was always me. And I need to become more intentional. I've learned over time to, to 
make that a priority, to walk with him and to, to hear him and to listen to what, what he has to say. And as Lena said, that retreat just reawakened and refocused my mind and my spirit to a, to a lot of things. You know, Chris said last week in his sermon that the one commandment that he struggles with is, is the one of rest in the Sabbath. Struggle with that too. My wife will attest to that. Even on vacation, I hate to sit. You know, what are we doing next? What are we doing next? I hate to sit. And yet there's another one that I struggle with probably equally as much, and, and that one is love my neighbor. And I don't hate anybody, but do I really love my neighbor? And, and who is my neighbor? My neighbor isn't the person that lives next door. It's not my brother and my, my sister. It's none of you, even though I love all of you. My neighbor is those that don't vote like I vote like. They don't attend the same church as me. And, and that's what God is trying to tell us. That's what Jesus tried to tell us is our neighbors, all the other people that we come in contact with each and every day. And I don't know that if I really love them the way I should love them. You know, I was reading in my time this week about the encounter with Jesus and the woman in the well. And some miraculous things happened there. Many miraculous things happened there. Number one, Jesus talked to somebody that he had no right to be talking to. Those two communities hated each other. And yet Jesus took the time and made that appointment so that he could change a life. And that woman had a lot of sin in her life. And her sin happened to be adultery. She had five husbands. But God doesn't judge us on the degree of our sin. He just judges us on sin. And we're all guilty of sin. And so what is our sin? It may not be adultery, but it's got to be a sin. And that's why Jesus came. And then the, the second miracle, miraculous thing happened is that that woman just didn't go home and take that new life that God gave her and hold it to herself. She went back into her community and changed her community. And they all came out and worshipped Jesus with her. And understand, when she went back into that community, she was going back into a place where Nobody liked her. They all judged her. They all knew what her life was. And yet that didn't matter to her. She went back to tell them what she had just learned. And because of that, a community was changed. And our community is Marshall. And our job, our calling, is to change Marshall. Thank you, Elena, Molly, and Dennis. Uh, God did a work, and he's doing a work in, um, in the church and in the community. I am confident of that. One of the things that we, uh, as I said, we wrestled through just about every possible thing that we could do or what's going on and really had to narrow it down into two 
things that we're going to focus on for the next year. Now, there's other things that will be going on and unfolding, but uh, two intentional efforts that we're going to be putting forth, and I'm going to give you about that much information today uh, about them, but just to be praying and asking how are you going to be a part so we looked at it is, is how do we develop as followers of Christ as disciples, and then also how do we reach out and sharing the good news of Jesus with the people around us. And so really two initiatives that are going to be taken forth is we're going to reinvest in life groups. Uh, we're going to dig in as we want to be a church of life groups. Uh, this is great and fine, uh, but when you get in a circle, I love how Andy Stanley says, uh, talks about circles being where life really, really happens is sitting around a circle, uh, reading the word, praying together, discussing, sharing life, eating meals, being there for each other. One of the three words that I put on my board this year as we were trying to figure out how do, we, how do we do church in the midst of the world we live in, three words that I put on my board was regather. So we got to figure out how to regather. Um, community was a word. How do we connect in community and how do we care? And really, life groups... When they're done well, they're excellent. They have the challenges, of course, but we want you to be a part of a life group, whether you've been here for a long time or you're brand new. And part of that life group environment that we'll be creating is one for new believers. Pastor Girton has said for years is that why would God give us baby Christians if we don't have a nursery prepared? And so we're going to have environments, groups for new believers. So people come and say, hey, I received Jesus Christ. All right, we're going to get you in a group with other people who are, who are just beginning that walk. We're going to begin this discipleship, and it's going to happen in this life group environment. So you'll be hearing more about that. And then the second thing is, uh, initiative is looking out, is the reaching part, is the sharing of the good news, the gospel. Is, uh, the second initiative is, is really community outreach care connection. And not just being nice, not just being, oh, wow, that's so cool that that church is meeting that need that's unmet in Marshall, but rather with a gospel focus, with a good news focus. And so I'm going to figure out what that is, and, and it's going to be a process working along, uh, but impacting and connecting into the community with outreach, with a focus of people coming to know Jesus. And I'm confident people will come to know Jesus, children, teens, adults, this next year, and we're going to celebrate that way better than we do right now, way better. And it's not just going to happen here on this stage or up there. It's going to happen in your life. You're going to be surprised. The opportunities when you are intentional, the doors that God opens for you to share the good news of Jesus Christ with someone. And it's going to happen a whole lot nat more natural than you can possibly imagine. Because you are friends with people, because you work with people, you're going to have opportunities to speak into them, and you're going to be amazed at what God does how the Spirit of God works through you. I promise you that. It's going to be amazing as we move forward in this next year. And so, Jesus is working, the Spirit is working, um, and I'm just thankful for what God is doing. God sent his son Jesus, he moved into the neighborhood. He drew close. So may we be a people of love. May we be known for our love. May those around us who are hurting reach out to us. May we reach back. May we be present in the places that we already go. I invite you to pray with me. Jesus, make us a present people. God, forgive us for our distraction. Forgive us for our self-focus, for our pride. 
Lord, help us to be uh, people who are open to you working in us and through us. Lord, help us to be a, a focused group. Lord, help us to be people who love. Jesus, uh, we know that you're working and you've been working, God, even since the beginning of this church way back in the 80s. I thank you for the life change that you brought. And God, you're not done with us. You're not done with this church. But God, you want people to know you as their Lord and Savior. You want people to walk as your disciples. And you want to use every single person who hears these words. And so, Lord, start with each one of us. So, Jesus, I'm so thankful for this beautiful day. I'm thankful for fathers. I'm thankful for you as our heavenly father. Lord, you're good, and we love you. We pray this all in Jesus' strong and powerful name. Amen.